I don't know if you are one of those leaders that are frustrated by having so many generations in the workplace under one roof. It can feel sometimes like we have generational wars going on. But what if we could leverage the various generations to create more collaboration, more job satisfaction, and higher employee retention? And that's what we're talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs, just like you, to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode. My guest today is Sean Johnson, and we will be talking about how we, as leaders, can leverage the generational worldviews of our team to help influence the way we work and the way we do business. But before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you to subscribe to this podcast. I know, I know, the podcast gurus out there say that I should wait until the very end, until you get value from the episode before asking, but I figured, what the hey? If you're here, then we are friends, and I'd love for you to follow this podcast. So, welcome, friend. (laughs) I consider myself very lucky. Being a hospitality specialist, I have always been surrounded by younger employees, and seasoned professionals in the industry. But I do know the strife it can create when the boomer generation, for instance, snarls up with the work ethics of the younger generation, and the younger workers can't believe that some people spent 25 years with the same company. So that brings me to our question of the day. What do you think is the big positive to having different generations under your roof? Go ahead and share this episode on your favorite social media platform, and please make sure that you hashtag it, hashtag experience leadership, and put your comments. What is the big positive that you have seen? My guest for this episode is generational strategies expert, Sean Johnson. Sean is the strategist for generational inclusion and the author of her brand new book, Strategies for Generational Inclusion at Work. Growing up in a multi-generational family business has given her the wisdom of valuing older and younger generations working together. She is a member of the John Maxwell team, a certified DISC behavioral analysis consultant, and a next-gen facilitator, and has completed courses in positive psychology. Sean, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much, Mark. It's great to be here. I'm very excited about speaking with you and sharing some ideas. I am as well. This has always been kind of a real cool kind of topic because it is all about all these different things that happen within workplaces. And you just go, as a leader, you go, what am I doing wrong? But before we get into our topic, (laughs) could you maybe tell us a little bit about what you do for your clients? Yeah, I sure will. Well, I do a lot of presentations that are interactive because I find that everyone enjoys talking about their generation. 
But then after we have fun talking about our generation, we can link that to all kinds of things that happen at work. The expectations we come to work with, the conflict that we sometimes have because we see the world differently. So I do presentations, lunch and learns, workshops. I love interacting with people. So while I enjoy doing a keynote, I like it even better if there's some interaction, if I can go into an organization and hang out in the conference room or wherever and and really, you know, talk about, you know, why is it that millennials don't want to put a signature line on their email? (laughs) What is the problem? Just simple things like that that can really aggravate us. Very cool. How did this become such a passion point for you? Well, a couple of things came together about three years ago. I was already with the John Maxwell team doing leadership things, but there were a couple of things that really changed my direction, a pivot, so to speak. In doing the leadership training, I learned that my best reviews came from millennials. I consider myself a younger boomer. So when I looked through them, I thought, wow, you know, I, I, I really connect with millennials. So that's, that's something I can share with other people. And then the second part of it was I started noticing, especially in the corporate world, that older generations were being pushed out, encouraged to retire before they were ready. Um, And of course, that's illegal, but a lot of times people don't take action. And it can be really discouraging to people, even at the age of 55, you know, which the older you get, the younger that seems, right? And then at the same time, I was getting all this feedback from millennials. Gen Zs really weren't strong in the workforce yet, but millennials were saying, no one listens to me. You know, I come to work, I have all this great feedback, I learned all this stuff in school, and nobody listens. So I started just diving into that whole dichotomy of the older generations feeling unheard and pushed out and the younger generations feeling unheard and undervalued and said, you know, I know something about this because I grew up in this environment, saw this from the time I was a young girl. Very cool. And because you you had a family business, right? You, you I think in your bio, you mentioned yeah. you were part of a family business with everybody working in it. Yeah, I grew up on a farm and I was one of those lucky people that had great grandparents involved in the, you know, in the business. I mean, a farm is a business and they were involved until I was well into my teens, 16, 17, something like that. So we all worked together all the time. And I saw, you know, at a young age, I remember my parents with their college education, you know, coming home. And oftentimes we think of technology as something new and certainly it's changing more quickly these days. But technology was an issue. You know, my dad came home with his agricultural degree and said, we're going to upgrade the dairy. It's going to be great. You know, we're going to milk more cows. We're going to have all all this, you know, system, electronic milkers. We're going to measure and weigh the milk. And my grandparents said, why? What we're doing is working just fine. We've done it this way forever. My great grandparents said, you know, you got to be careful how you spend your money. You know, you don't want to jump out there and get in debt. That's a bad idea. But over time, my dad made that happen. You know, he talked him into it. He invested a lot of his hard-earned savings. And that was the dairy that I grew up in, milking cows with my grandpa, mostly. So all of that, you know, that push and pull, that collision of the old and new, the tried and true with the, hey, but we should try this now. You know, that attitude, that's still what goes on today. Yeah, It hasn't changed a bit. And so, and so in that regard, then, what struggles are you seeing now in the workplace when, when leaders come to you? What are some of the challenges that they're seeing? Well, a really funny one that I heard recently was I was working with a group of credit union managers and something that happened was a young employee who was in the, the teller role, you know, at the credit union, he wanted to take all two weeks of his yearly vacation because he was adopting a puppy. 
And that just, you know, the manager just couldn't even believe her ears. Uh, That was just so crazy. And she said, you know, not only is that so short-sighted to take all two weeks vacation, I mean, all of us have had puppies and you put them in the kennel and go to work and you come home and let them out or whatever. But she said it really affects our whole staff because someone's got to cover for him for those two weeks. And so we had this whole conversation about how do you talk to this young person and explain to them they need some foresight, you know, they need some planning. And, you know, sometimes we get really impatient with younger coworkers. But one thing we have to remember, and that was certainly true for this individual, is a lot of them never had the summer job. You know, boomers and Gen X and certainly traditionalists, the oldest generation that we might still encounter at work, we had summer jobs, we had after school jobs. So we started learning at a young age what was appropriate and what was not. What happens if you do this or that? But a lot of younger generations haven't. They haven't had those jobs. Their job has been to go to school and then, you know, maybe go to a camp during the summer. They just don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> yeah. Patience, right? We have to be patient. And to your point, I can remember the first time somebody came to me, again, in hospitality, and they called in and they said, I can't come to work today. And it's like, why not? My cat died. And it's like, what? It's just your cat. What are you talking right? And I really had to calm myself because I realized at that point that that's a value system differential. Yeah. And But it was something that I, I like, I, it actually made me laugh that somebody would call in sick mm-hmm. because their cat died. Because we've had pets as baby boomers even if we are the younger part of the baby boomers and pets are pets and, you know, yeah, okay, you can love your pet and stuff, but you know, life has to go Mm -hmm. on. We have to continue to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different value system. (laughs) Yeah. So why do you think now this idea of generational inclusion, why is this topic really important for leaders today? Do you think? Because they benefit so much from it. And so many issues are generational that we might not even realize or generational. You know, there's conflicts that happen at work that we might not even, we might think it's personality, and it certainly could be, could be behavioral style. But a lot of it, there's underlying generational worldviews that are causing the conflict. And when we can create some empathy and some understanding, we can get through those conflicts. I mean, even the great resignation, you know, you can't, you can't look online without running into an article about that, is generational because the greatest turnover is millennials. Depending on whose report you're looking at, it's going to be people that are like 25 to 40, 42. And so that's a generational issue. Why are they leaving? Well, when you learn to understand their point of view and what you can do at your workplace to make them feel valued, get them to stay, you know, your productivity goes up, your morale goes up, turnover goes down. It's a huge ROI. Generational inclusion really results in a huge ROI for any size business. If you could figure out how to leverage it. And I think that's, do you think that that's the biggest challenge that leaders have right now is they haven't figured out necessarily how to leverage the generational gap within their workforce? Yeah, I think it is. You know, most business leaders, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're busy. You know, you you don't have time to figure all this out. But if you can, you know, do a workshop or, or just do some simple things to bring people together and help understand how that older person in your office can help mentor and bring that younger person along. And then you can keep running your business. You know, things really haven't changed that much. I'll say first, when I started working out of college in the 80s, early 80s, I had a boss that his approach still works today. He took time to explain and coach us and everything. Back then, we would do paper filing. He even talked to us about consistency and how you file. 
How do you handle an angry customer? Back in those days, we used fax machines. What's an appropriate way to send a fax? What's the appropriate response to a fax and inquiry? Today, if you can find someone in your business, or you can do it yourself, but if you can find someone who will approach younger employees with that coaching approach, it'll make all the difference in the world. And then what you're doing is you're bringing young people in who will become a vital part of your business. And they'll also understand your younger customers, which is so important because, you know, we all know as business owners, we want to do business with every age group if possible. And in most cases, you can. Right. And as long as we're prepared to stop and listen, then to your point, then we can leverage it and, and our business would get better. Yeah. Then we also know that younger employee might also understand from that mentoring or coaching when an older customer comes into your place of business or calls in, why they might think the way they do and why you might have to just bite your tongue <laughs> and be patient. You know, I always talk about the case in banking where the older customer comes in and wants to write a check for cash. Yep. Or Say the teller or the teller getting kind yeah. of frustrated with an older person and saying, I don't understand why you just can't use the ATM. Right. Right. Yeah. My mother still doesn't understand how our debit card works, you know, she's still <laughs> it's the way it goes. Hey, I'd like to uncover what leaders can do to increase their, what you call the generational intelligence. And we'll do that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with a new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. I am speaking with Sean Johnson about what it takes to create effective generational workplaces. Sean, before we get too deep, could you define for us? We've been talking a lot about the different generations and kind of these different kind of misperceptions we have about them. Could you define what each of these generations are and what are the core driving values at each of these levels? Sure. We still have some traditionalists in the workplace today. Those are people that are going to be 76, 77 and older. I happen to have an aunt who's still a school psychologist, a full-time employee. I have an uncle who runs his family business with his son. So, and you know what, if they're not working with you or for you, they might be your customer and they're going to have real traditional values. They think the good things come to those who wait. Something that they offer younger generations is resiliency because they've lived through so many things. Uh, during the pandemic, there, there were some variations, but a lot of times I saw this older generation during the pandemic, totally calm, not even upset, because they probably remembered family members who lived through the early, the Spanish flu and the Great Depression. So they have this reassurance about them and they can help younger generations understand that not everything that comes to you quickly is worth having. You know, sometimes there's things that we should wait for. But they're still out there. And if you're lucky enough to have one working or, or doing business with you, you know, leverage that knowledge, that expertise. Think Robert De Niro and Ann Hathaway and the intern, you know, how he gives her this broader vision of what her business should be like and how she should respond to the pressures that are coming at her. So they're still out there. And then the baby boomers, you know, who many baby boomers are in good health and they do not want to retire. 
and they have so much to offer. I think it's so short-sighted when organizations push them out the door because they have so much expertise. Even if you want to just have them work um, as a consultant or part-time or half-time, your older boomers, leverage their skills. They're going to be anywhere from about 58, 75, 76, somewhere in there. They're right behind the traditionalists. But they, they have seen so many things change. And so they can provide perspective, things that didn't work in the past so we don't reinvent the wheel. But probably the number one thing the baby boomers bring is they are high relationship people as a generation. They're great at networking. They're great at building relationships. And many of them love to mentor younger people in a very positive way, not in a condescending way. So leverage that. The next generation is Gen X that followed the baby boomers, a smaller, quieter generation. They are hard workers. They're practical. They're independent. They're your worker bees a lot of times. They're in management. They're getting things done. One thing to remember about Gen X is that they really appreciate work-life balance, and many of them still have children at home, and they're caring for aging parents at the same time. So if you're working with a Gen Xer, keep that in mind because a lot of times they are. They, they're called the sandwich generation, but they are very practical. They like autonomy. They're great at problem solving, good leadership skills. And of course, following them is the millennials. And that probably when you get to generational issues is the first thing that comes up. And it's usually a little tug of war between the millennials and the uh, boomers, which is ironic because the boomers are traditionally thought of as the parents of millennials. Not always the case, but very often the case. And what did we do? You know, we had fewer children overall. So we did everything for them. We went to every sporting event. We were like, you played the whole season. So you should get some kind of credit, even if your team didn't win. And, you know, we're called helicopter parents. And there's a lot of reasons for that because safety was an issue. You know, kidnapping was an issue. And um, there were all these things going on in our world. So what did we do? We made sure we did everything with our kids, right? We went on vacation with them. And we're still like that today. But at the same time, we like to complain about them. We like to complain about them at work. You know, why do I send them a message and they don't respond? And they're like, well, I didn't need to. I got the message, right? I don't, I don't need to respond. I got the message. There's all these things. I mean, just have a family wedding and you can see the difference between the, the millennials point of view and, and everyone else's. But the millennials have been called the canary in the coal mine because they have called out some leadership issues, some work-related issues that really needed to change. It's just that we kind of got our feelings hurt because we'd been putting up with that for years. <laughs> we'd been putting up with poor leadership for years and they said, no, 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 that's not how it should be. But you know, over the last 20 years, we've seen a lot of things change for, for the good. And a lot of that has to do with millennials saying, I know you don't want to hear my opinion, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Nice. That kind of thing. Yeah. So millennials are now managers. I mean, one of my millennial friends is the CEO of a huge hospital. You know, some of them aren't, but we got to remember that. They're just approaching life at a later age than older generations for a lot of reasons, college debt, all kinds of things going on with them. So, you know, where their parents might have bought their first home at 25 for millennials, it might look like 35. And a lot of them are just choosing not to live that lifestyle, too. They're choosing not to have children at all and, and just live a different lifestyle. But that's their prerogative. And a lot of that has to do with the world they grew up in. Last of all, we have Gen Z. And sometimes people get confused. They think that the millennials are like Gen Z or Gen Z are like the millennials. But Gen Z are traditionally thought of as the, parent, as the children of Gen X. They're going to be practical. They're going to be more pragmatic. 
And an interesting thing is they're not as digitally dependent as millennials. They really like to have face-to-face conversation, whereas especially younger millennials really would rather just send you a text. And of course, those are generalizations. These are not boxes we can put people in, but they are really good guidelines for understanding behavior, especially when it comes to work and business. Especially being able to understand that there are really concrete differences and it shouldn't just Mm -hmm. be shrugged off. People are people. They should just all behave well. We can't just uh, unfortunately do that. But, you know, there's been a lot of issues within the labor market right now. And you mentioned the great resignation, but, you know, things like remote and hybrid workers, a big focus on mental health. How are these issues kind of reflected in the generational workforces? Well, we'll start with mental health. You know, the the younger millennials and the Gen Z generation have grown up with a lot more daunting things in their world. They live in a more global environment than we did growing up. I mean, we have global terrorism. We have climate change. Those were things that I was growing up, no one thought about. I feel like the world was much more optimistic, you know, in the 60s and 70s and 80s than the world that they're growing up in. Uh, Millennials saw the Great Recession. They saw parents lose jobs. They saw people lose homes, maybe on a larger scale than boomers and Xers did. And now we have the pandemic. You know, we have Gen Z going to school from home, graduating college and never going to an office to work, having to learn everything online. Now, that's all changing and shifting, but they've lost a lot of those rites of passage, graduations, proms, All of that plays into this mental health issue. And it's hard for them to see beyond where they are because they just haven't lived long enough. And that's where older generations, like especially I was saying the traditionalists, if they have a grandparent or, you know, someone older in their life that can say, you know, look, things have happened before. We always get through them, that kind of thing. So mental health, it could be any age group because it could be a, a Gen X mom who's had her kids home trying to go to school from home and she's trying to manage a workforce, you know, hybridly. There's lots of issues there. But the younger generations definitely have grown up with that global perspective, and that changes the way we look at everything, work and everything else. We've seen engagement levels fall. You know, if you get any reports on on worker engagement, we've seen that fall. That's because people come to work with higher expectations. They want to feel connected to more than a paycheck. And that's come from lots of places, parenting, education. You know, when I went to work on my first job, I, I really, I mean, all those other things were nice, but I really thought I just need to get paychecks. I got college loans and <laughs> I got to make a car payment. But, you know, younger generations have grown up with higher expectations that we've given them. You can be anything you want to be. Isn't that what a lot of us told our kids? So, if we, you know, if we want to have that level of engagement, we have to link them to bigger causes than you know, here's what you do every day, but this is this is who you're affecting. You're affecting this customer or that customer. Those all play into generational difference issues. Yeah. When we talk about the leaders and developing their skills, what, what strategies would you recommend that leaders need to start adopting to become more effective? First of all, just develop more of a coaching leadership style. Uh, There's a lot of ways to do that. I mean, you can read books, you can go online, you can hire your own coach. You know, there's lots of business coaches. John Maxwell has a lot. I'm certified coach myself. I just got to help you think outside of yourself. But a coaching, you know, back in the day, no one ever thought about leadership as really being a coaching thing. You wanted to achieve results. You know, it was profit driven. The world was more profit driven. 
now it's more people driven. So coaching is one thing. And then learning to understand, having an open door policy, allowing people to come in and talk to you, you know, set office hours, whatever you want to give them and let them come in and really find out what's going on in their world. Because when you show interest in them, they're going to create loyalty back to you, your organization. You're going to understand why that person of a different generation than you is saying things different. One thing I love to do is a values exercise you know, get the team together. And it's a lot of fun. Everybody gets to choose their values. And when you see other people's values, you understand so much about them. And it prevents you from pushing buttons that you never even knew you were pushing. So that's great for leaders. And then just understanding generations. I do a lot of workshops, you know, in generations, understanding how millennials think, how Gen X thinks, why they think like that. All of that. It's just that ongoing education. Because the half-life of education today is not what it was before. So we have to all continue growing and learning. And that that has never been more important than it is now for leaders. Fantastic. You know, for those people who are watching this, if they turn around and they think, you know, maybe I need to start thinking about this idea of uh, bringing a coach in or somebody to help support us. How can people reach you if they want to look you up and ask for your assistance? Sure. My website is seanjohnsonspeaks.com and it's spelled just like the gymnast. S-H-A-W-N-J-O-H-N-S-O-N with speaks on it. And my phone number and contact information is right there as well as an opportunity to schedule time with me at no charge. Yeah, that's that's an easy way to uh, get a hold of me. So, I'm, you know, I'm a baby boomer. I don't mind if you just pick up the phone and call me. <laughs> You're not going to scan through the Call display and go, ah, maybe Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you're not comfortable with that, you can text me or you can email me, whatever whatever you want to do. I'm always open to a conversation. Nice. Hey, I do know that, you know, there are people out there who are experiencing generational warfare in their organizations. Like, what's an initial step that they need to do to bring together a truce, <laughs> for lack of a better word? Yeah. Well, I think empathy and understanding are, are key. And one thing I love to do, it's like an icebreaker at the beginning of getting together. And you can do this without me. I mean, you, you, the business leader can do this, bring people in your conference room, maybe get something good to eat or drink or whatever, and get everybody to relax and just share stories and key questions like, you know, what was your biggest obstacle growing up? What, how many kids were in your family? Um, you know, what, what is the most important thing in your life today? Just simple questions, because right away you get a different view of people. When I've done that, a lot of times people say, well, I've worked with this person 10 years and I never knew that, you know, they grew up in in this environment with this many siblings and had all these challenges and struggles. We see people completely different. All of a sudden we find them, you know, we understand them better. We have empathy towards whatever issues might be going on in their life or, you know, all those things that happened in our childhood that still influence the way we think about things. I think that's a fascinating exercise. You know, I'm writing a script, and one of the things that we need to do for the characters is we need to write a backstory for our characters so we understand when they come up to a conflict or something how we're going to be able to write their responses to that. And as you were saying that, it's like, oh my goodness, this sounds exactly like just finding out people's backstories so that you have a point mm-hmm. of connection. You have helps you with the understanding aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just even, you know, ask them, like, what's going on in your life today? You know, what struggles do you have? You know, you might find out they have a handicapped child that you didn't even know, you didn't even know about. It's crazy what happens. It tells me, you know, for workplaces, I did one episode on trust, how 
you know, a lot of organizations, the trust trust bank account is very low, as it were. What role does trust and respect have in this process? That is a really good question. So that exercise that I just talked about is kind of an adaptation from Patrick Lencioni's um, The Five Dysfunctions of the Team. And that was the first thing he recommends for building trust is to be vulnerable and share some of your stories with your team. And the leader should be a part of it, too. It shouldn't just be team members and the leader watching. You know, we all have to get in there. And sometimes those stories are, you know, we might not really want to tell them, but that's what builds that trust and that empathy. And then respect. Oftentimes, older people, you know, I I consider myself one of those people. We want to be respected for what we've accomplished, how old we are, our wisdom, our experience. That's all good. But younger people want to be respected because they have good ideas or just for who they are, what they bring, you know, showing up to work every day and doing the best that they know how to do. So the respect thing is huge and it goes both ways. And when we treat everybody with respect, then we create an an environment, a positive climate that we're all working in. Quick story. One of the millennials I know who I mentioned earlier, who's the CEO of a hospital. I talked to him early on, like three years ago when I started talking about this topic. And I said, so Kenneth, like what how do you do it? Because you're managing people that are a lot older than you. And yet you still have younger people coming in. And he said, I always adapt my approach for every person I talk to. And I always treat them with respect, no matter what their job role is, what their age. That, that's key. It's a key factor. It seems so simple. And yet in so many different work environments, when you think about all the, uh, all the reports of incivility in the workplace, you would think that the respect mm-hmm. and trust aspect would be the easiest thing to solve, but it seems like that creates most of the clash for us. Yeah. Yeah. The respect thing is huge. Yeah. Whenever I do, whenever I have a conversation, do a talk, someone's going to mention respect. Or the so, lack thereof, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or the I, lack thereof. I'd love to get into some cautionaries as people are watching this and, and thinking, yeah, I got to change some stuff up. I'd love to get into some cautionaries about what the do's and don'ts are as people want to instigate change. And we'll do that right after this. Attention, meeting and event planners. Is your company or association planning a live or virtual conference, seminar, staff retreat? Are you looking for a fresh, energetic perspective on what it takes to put on a jaw-dropping experience for your customers or staff? Book customer experience expert Mark Hayne for your next group event. Past participants have said, Mark kept us in stitches while teaching us how important and powerful actually designing our customer experience can be. Read more testimonials and find out how Mark can serve you and your group at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. Welcome back. I hope you are getting tons of value from today's episode and our expert, Sean Johnson. As you can tell, Sean and I are passionate about today's theme, this idea of leading teams and bridging the gaps. If you belong to an association who is planning a leadership retreat or a conference and you think we could be valuable presenters, go ahead and drop us a line. All our contact information is in the show notes, so feel free to reach out at the very least for a quick discovery call to see how we could possibly serve you. We'd love to explore how we could be of service to you and, of course, your people. Sean, your brand new book just got released on Amazon today. So as we're, you know, broadcasting this episode, 
It's on Amazon. Can you tell us a little bit about your book and what it covers? Sure. I have a book right here. Yeah, my brand new book. It's a mini book. So for those of you who might be intimidated by reading a 250-page book, don't worry. You're safe. (laughs) You can order it at a very affordable price. And each page is a tip or a strategy. And some of them have additional information that you can access online at no charge. So what I tried to do is bring the best of everything I know and have used or other people have used about how to bring generations together. And a lot of it is just good information for getting your team to work together better, for keeping your best people, for attracting good people, all of that good stuff. So I hope that some people uh, that are listening to this podcast will find that helps them out. It does. I I, thank you so much for the advanced copy. I really, I read through it and, and it really is, it really gives you an idea of questions you should be asking. Once you have an understanding of where some of these strategies lie, you can then look at your property and and at your organization and think, you know, I can have, I could start strategizing what I need to do next. For people who think, oh, you know what, generations aren't a problem for me. People, you know, they they go around thinking, ah, you know, I'm the boss and I'm fine. I don't need any of this information. How can people test where their generational IQ is? (laughs) Well, I do have an assessment. Funny you should ask. (laughs) No. Uh, and it's fun. It's free. So SeanJohnsonSpeaks.com backslash GQ, Generational Quotient. It's not yes. the men's magazine. <laughs> it's uh, how much you know about generations. And there's 10 questions there that you can answer and it'll give you a score. And then if you if you want more information, there's actually a generational matrix. It's, a, it's like an Excel spreadsheet PDF that you can download for free. And people love that thing. I, in fact, I've even adapted it for organizations, but it really helps you understand the way people think. If you have someone that lives to work, that's working with you, chances are pretty good they're a boomer. You know, if you have someone who thinks that work should be fun, chances are they're a millennial. You know, if you think, if you have someone that thinks that work should be for a greater cause, chances are they're Gen Z. But a little warning, don't get too hung up on generational stereotypes because there's always outliers. Yeah. But it does kind of give you some good information, a good starting point to go, oh, I bet that's why they don't get along. <laughs> I love the fact that in the book, you mentioned the word cusps. We have generational cusps of people who bridge these yeah. two generations. Does it really make that much of a difference? Because everything that you were talking about today, I see that I'm on a cusp of many generations. You know, when we talk about yeah. this, the, you know, being a sandwich generation. You know, I still have a child at home. I'm taking care of now. We're, my wife and I are taking care of our elderly parents. You know, we're still, even though under generational definition, I'm a baby boomer. Yeah, I'm basically a cusper as well. As a rule, most of my life, I've identified with the older, you know, the boomers. That's just me personally. You know, there might be people my age that don't feel that way at all. At the same time, my siblings are definitely Gen X. They're younger than I am. So I kind of see both sides of the coin, if you will. And that, that's a great person to have in your organization, the one that gets both extremes. When it comes to, uh, here's a great work example. So Gen Xers that are, are cuspers, especially towards the younger end, or millennials that are cuspers on the older end, they saw a lot of changes in technology. And those people can be great at bridging that gap between those of us that didn't have a personal computer until we were at work. I mean, I didn't have email until I was three years into my career, four years. Like we didn't even know what to do with it. So they're great at bridging that gap between the technology that older people might be familiar with or comfortable with 
and the stuff that the younger millennials and Gen Z are actually just expecting. So if that makes sense, your older millennials, they grew up with AOL dial up and all that, whereas the younger millennials, it didn't. And And they can kind of bridge that gap and explain, well, this is why so-and-so might think of things like this. Because the rule is, this is Jason Dorsey, generational expert. I'll give him the the credit, but he says, if you remember what the technology was before, it still seems like new technology to you. And that's really important to remember. If you're talking to someone like me, the iPhone still seems like new technology to me versus if you're talking to my daughter, she does not remember life very well without having her own iPhone. I mean, she just, you know, vaguely. (laughs) It's so interesting because I'm I'm floored. My son is 35 this year. And I'm floored at just looking at his lifespan, how much technology has changed and evolved just in his lifespan alone, from microwaves to VCRs and like a a craziness, how much stuff has evolved and, and how crazy it's all gotten. As we get into talking about having people do generational inclusion, are there any cautionaries? Like as people start thinking about, yeah, we we need to do something in our organization to start becoming more in sync. What are some of the cautionaries you would have? Well, first of all, generational stereotypes is a problem. And while we're joking around about what we identify with, what generation, when we start using that too much at work, that creates silos. You know, sure. we all we all understand that. And even when I'm giving a presentation a lot of times, I don't ask people to identify with a generation because some people are, you know, they're a little offended by that or they don't relate or whatever. So let's not make jokes about boomers or millennials. Let's let's not do that at work. That just creates more problems. And then don't assume by looking at someone or maybe in your mind, you're thinking, I think they're a boomer and they're an older boomer. So I don't think they're going to understand this new technology. We can't assume that there's traditionalists that walk around as iPads and they very much understand technology. And then there's younger people who still aren't comfortable with technology. You know, if you had a problem and asked them to help you, they wouldn't even know what to tell you. They know how to use it, but they don't really understand it. So all of those stereotypes can just become a really big problem. And we shouldn't assume that older people in our workplace don't want to learn new things because a lot of times they do. Just like we shouldn't assume that younger people aren't interested in leadership training because they're not up for a leadership role. You know, a lot of times they do, they want to improve themselves. They want to develop those leadership skills. So all of those are easy assumptions that we can make that get us in trouble. And, and, you know, it's so funny because a lot of those assumptions can be beat out. Like I'm of the mindset that the era of annual evaluations has seen its time and we should wrap those suckers up and park them away that we need to, as managers, we need to now evolve into more of a coaching relationship rather than a you-do-this relationship. We've gone from being transactional managers now to being relational managers. And I think taking on the coaching aspect, I think, would be such a stronger stance because that's how we're going to learn if we have anybody in our team who is aspiring to be a leader or wants to take on more responsibility and so on. The old baby boomer mindset of just putting on the blinders and keeping your head down and just doing the work is gone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and you know what? The world is changing so quickly that if we're not using that constant feedback, give and take coaching, we're not going to be able to adapt to react to change the way we need to. And so sometimes I hear people complain, oh, the younger generations, they just want immediate feedback. That's the world we live in. I mean, think about it. We have to have that feedback to keep us on course. 
because think about how much things have changed in the last two years. Yeah. And yet there's such power in that, because if we look at it from our customer perspective, we want to know if our customers are dropping off, we want to know very quickly why they're dropping off. I mean, it's not in the 1920s, you might be the only company creating grommets at the factory and selling grommets. But now in that mindset, we have 300,000 companies producing grommets and we're losing market share. And so we need that immediate feedback. And so do our people, which is a different way to be able to look at that as well. Yeah, definitely. So instead of being annoyed with it, we should use it to our advantage and get their feedback too, because sometimes those people at the ground floor see things we don't see. Yeah. Sean, this has been just an absolutely phenomenal conversation. As we wrap up, do you have any last thoughts? Well, I think it's all about inclusion. And I think, you know, organizations that are inclusive in every way, you know, we like to talk about diversity, but it doesn't work without inclusion. So, you know, the next time you need to make a hiring decision, hire someone in an age category that you may not have on your team right now. Yes. And then be inclusive and watch your return on investment go up. Love it. This has been fantastic. Could you just remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, it's SeanJohnsonSpeaks.com. And uh, you'll see my email, my phone number right there. And schedule time if you want to have a conversation. Schedule some time with me or just give me a call. Fantastic. And check down the links. In the links, we have all that information for you, including links to Sean's matrix, her comparison matrix, as well as links to her brand new book is going to be on there before the end of day today. So make sure you check that out. Sean, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for sharing your expertise and your passion and your knowledge around this. I think it's very important nowadays. And I can't thank you enough for taking time out today. Thank you, Mark. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. If you have any questions about today's episodes or would like a complimentary 30-minute brainstorming session with you and your team, please feel free to book time on my calendar. I have tons of resources I can share with you. And if I don't know it, I have a theory that between me and the rest of the world, we know everything. I can find somebody who can help you out. The link is down below. It's the one that's written in with meetwith.markhain.com. As always, I am at your service. And if you haven't done so, so yet, go ahead and subscribe to this feed and follow me on social media. I'm bringing you fresh content virtually each and every week. It's great, and it's a great way to keep up on it. So my name is Mark Hain. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, If you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.